Quantum entanglement, if if I described it to you and didn't tell you it was called quantum entanglement, you'd think I'm talking about voodoo. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in a doll here and someone on <laughs> some friend of yours oh, on I the other this. side of the city yeah. feels a pain. And you think like, yeah, that, that... Is this where there's like, forgive me if I'm wrong again, but particles on different sides of yes, our like, yes, universe yes. that are sort of like, they're in sync with each other since, exactly. since the beginning or exactly. something you like got that. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Electrons and or something. imagine if voodoo, yeah. imagine if I said, yeah, so um, turns out that's true. Yeah. And uh, scientists have managed to figure out how to exploit it and use it. What would you think? You'd think, all right, I'm going to go and stick some pins in people. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah. then you probably think, should be able to build a technology, but what's that good for? Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know what it's good for yet. We don't know, eh? but because the technology is only as good as the the ideas that are. That's right. It's been used for really, yeah. so yeah. it still d- depends on us. All right, welcome back to the search, everyone. Today's guest has been described as a rock star scientist. He's a quantum physicist with a degree from Harvard who works as the director of a state-of-the-art $150 million nanoscience lab trying to invent the quantum computer. Damn. If all of that sounds like googly blook gook, as it's written here, I don't know what the hell that is. If all of that sounds like rubbish to you, <laughs> and don't worry, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. But this man right here is the guy to explain it to us and help us understand why quantum computing is going to change the world and define what our future looks like. Welcome to The Search, Professor David Riley. How are you, brother? Very well. Thanks oh. for having me. Start at the beginning, brother. You grew up in Sydney, and more specifically, Matto. I grew did. up in Matroville, twenty thirty six, brother. Exactly. How did it come about that you got like? So, what what do you do now? You're teaching. As you said, I grew up in Matroville, local yeah. local school. Um, didn't do particularly well in school. Didn't do you know? Didn't mm-hmm. uh, okay. Got through. What school did you go to? I went to to uh, Soldier Settlement Primary School, and then I went to South Sydney High in Maroubra. Where's Sol- Soldier Settlement? Yeah, it's in, right in the part of Matraville. Is it? Yeah, yeah. 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 And you went to so, South Sydney High. Yeah, went to South Sydney yeah. High. Um, and you always liked science there? I, I did. I, I didn't know what physics was. Yeah. Uh, I liked pulling things apart, building things. You know, yeah. I'd pull radios and torches apart and, and uh, hook wires up to the gutter of the house. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't know that that was... Um, was physics, uh, you mm-hmm. know, some people would call it engineering. I think engineering's really focused about building something. Yeah. This was trying to understand it, trying to figure it out. How does it work? What's the underlying principles? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was also interested in those sort of bigger ideas, the, the philosophical stuff yeah, that we we're talking yeah. about. Physics is that intersection of the technical, the mathematical, but also there, there are yeah, philosophical ideas, yeah, big yeah. picture stuff. Um, I didn't know it was called physics, and I, I ended up uh, going to university. And yeah. at the time, um, you went yeah, to Sydney. Uni? I went to to. Oh, uh, no, you went to, to Harvard. I went I to yeah. I, I actually I started off. I went to UTS, yeah. and I, I showed up, and I as I said, I didn't do particularly well at school, and I was I was scared. The first math class there, um, the guy said, "All right, uh, we're going to cover all four unit maths." This is back in, in the old season yep. in the first two weeks, so. I thought I didn't do four unit maths. Yeah, I didn't yeah. do three unit maths. Oh, no, what I am I going to do? Um, yeah. So I I just studied like mad, and yeah. and uh, you know, and first exam came, and I blitzed it, and yeah. I thought, oh, it's easy. Yeah. After that, I failed. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> then I, you know, I picked it back up later on, but but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, the maths is colorful. the part that I hated. That's what turned me <laughs> off the physics books I used to read. So yeah. when I was in jail, yeah. you probably read it in my book. Um, when I was at Bathurst, I used to read like physics yeah. books. Yeah. I think they were university first year physics books, and I loved it all. 
<laughs> I loved it all. I loved chemistry and, mm. and like understanding matter and energy and stuff like that. I loved it all. And um, I don't know, I really loved the light and, and, and um, the, the hurt rate of light is different colors and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Until it got to uh, kinetics. And I thought, fuck this, <laughs> brother. Can, the movement, the momentum, and the calculate this. And if yeah. I chuck a football here, use mathematics to tell me where it's going to allow that. Fuck yeah. this. So yeah. When it's, I got into that stuff, I was like, hopefully there's computers that do that now and you aren't sitting there doing maths. It's crazy the way yeah. we, we teach. It, it turns people off like that. It, yes, it, you it need that stuff. You need it at a certain level, but yeah. it, it, I don't know why it comes first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now I have... Two jobs. Yep. I work for University of Sydney as a professor of physics. So I've been doing that for 10 years, decade of uh, teaching lectures in, in physics and, and classes, running a research group. So they're really trying to advance new technologies, thinking about what might be on the horizon in a decade from now, 20 years from now, trying to understand you know, new directions. But yep. let's see, five years ago, I actually transitioned to also having a, a, a major role within Microsoft that's also really? interested in the frontier, obviously, of computing yep. and what's possible with uh, the latest technology. So I got two roles there, and my life is pretty hectic trying to trying to sort of balance both of these, but keeps me. Yeah, busy. that sounds crazy. Yeah. So, so the the types of physics that you're teaching, right? So I, I have a little bit of understanding of physics, but you're you, you're not sitting in a class teaching people about matter and energy. I have done. I oh, have. You done. have. Yeah. This absolutely. is what kids are learning in year ten, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's the same same concepts that you you, you hear about in high school or even earlier. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny. I, I high school physics, uh, I kind of liked it, but I wasn't that good at it. And yeah. it was a lot of you know inclined planes and rolling balls and energy yeah, and yeah, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you know, and look, that that is a part of physics, but mm. modern physics and the kind of physics that I'm involved with in terms of the research I do, much closer to other creative things like music or art or wake up in the morning, think of an idea, think of how am I going to solve a problem? How does something that is not known become known? And how am I going to get at that? Yep. That's not sitting down doing problem sets. That's thinking in a very different way, grappling with ideas, yeah, yeah, concepts, yeah. walking around, you know, just... In, going for a long walk trying to figure it out a yeah. solution and invent something that, that doesn't exist that's a yeah. lot of what so a lot of physics theoretical is. physics like that yeah. it's it's it, it's mostly it's not numbers it's mostly in the mind absolutely it's, I'm, it's, I'm what you call creativity. an experimentalist so yeah. I build things I wire things up and, and yeah, put yeah. things together one part motor mechanic one part mathematician yeah and yeah so well, g give us an example of stuff that you're working on now yeah, I mean, we're really trying to um, realize technologies yeah. that you won't see for many years, maybe a decade, maybe two decades or yeah. beyond. What is the limit of computability? What, what does it mean to, to, you know, we think of this technology we have today, we all carry it around in our pocket and we, you know, connect to the NBN or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But then well, when you're scrolling... we connect to the NBN, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. When you're scrolling on Instagram... And you, you push past yep. photo after photo. Most people don't think what's actually happening there in the cloud, you know, somewhere out there mm -hmm. in a data center. There are racks of machines and a huge amount of technology and energy that is yep. getting expended to make that happen. Yeah. 
our thirst for more and more computing power, not just for, for entertainment purposes, but in solving big, big challenges for society, mm-hmm. come down to computing power. Yeah. And yet, on the path that we're on, we're running out of opportunity to build faster computers, better computers. There are limitations. You can't oh, just keep making yeah. it smaller and put more transistors on a die yeah. and, and increase the clock speed. I mean, you know, if you go and buy a computer today, yeah. the clock speed is approximately what it was last year, approximately what yeah. it was the year before. It's increasing maybe a little bit, but we're adding more and more processes, yeah. looking at other ways of building power there. But we've plateaued. And, and it's flatlined. So it needs a, just a completely rethink, redo. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and the crazy thing is, and the thing that really just drives me is the realisation that there is a regime that you can get to, a way of computing yeah. that at the moment we don't touch. We don't exploit it. We don't tap it. There is a different kind of physics yeah. based on quantum physics. We should talk what that yeah. is. A different kind of mathematics that at the moment is untouched by our technology. Really? We want to grab that what can we do so with this that is quantum computing this is quantum computing is, is it so forgive me if i sound completely stupid numerous times this podcast <laughs> all right um, not at all <laughs> so does this not run on the binary system that the other computers run right on? right exactly so yeah. computers uh, that we have today yeah. uh digital yeah. uh there are other ways of computing and when you think of well, i don't even know what computation is yeah. uh think of something like um uh, crazy idea. Imagine you go to the beach and you look at a wave coming in on the shoreline. Mm-hmm. Hits the shore, bounces off. Many people have seen this before. Two waves collide. If they collide in phase, meaning that the peak of one wave and the peak of another wave hit at the same time, you end up with a wave that's twice as big. Yep. Addition, it added this wave and the amplitude of this wave together. Yep. If a peak and a trough come together, they cancel one another out and yep. it's calm. So waves colliding are actually adding, I mean, they're adding their amplitude, adding their energy. Nature computes for us in its behavior. Mm-hmm. Imagine you now encoded somehow information in the wave state and you said, well, I've got to add two numbers. So I'll make a wave of a certain amplitude, three units, and another wave of a certain amplitude, five units, and I'll collide them. Yep. And I'll measure the resultant, and that's eight units. Yep. Well, okay, nature did the computation for you. And even though we think of computing as as... as digital binary representation of of numbers Mm -hmm. under it all we're exploiting some physics in that case the physics of waves and how they add up to arrive at the answer of a computation really so i'm following you (laughs) yeah that's that sounds mental to to most people yeah i've never heard that before i'm following you yeah Yeah. it's so it's uh, under it is it's a physical phenomena it's it's uh you're using some law of nature and nature's computing i mean when you step back and think well Two waves overlapping at the beach are computing. Yeah. Like as I look around, the light bouncing off the table. Like nature is computing itself yeah. continuously. It's just we're not encoding information yeah. or accessing that. A computer, it's a, it's it underneath it. It's it's something that is of course manipulating uh, information based on physics, mm-hmm. and that as you said, that that binary digital representation mm-hmm. turns out. The history of that is that it, 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 it was developed to reject noise by encoding information in a one or a zero. If it's a zero plus a bit of extra yep. noise, it's still a zero. Yep. If it's a one plus a bit of noise, it's still a one. And I can distinguish the zero from a one. So yep. that encoding mechanism, it's very robust to noise. But there are other ways to compute. You can compute with waves, for instance. Mm-hmm. And that's called analog computing. 
the, uh, the the Apollo mission Has that went to the moon. Analog computing. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, so yep. if you go back to the sixties, yep. uh, the space race, analog computing was very powerful. It wasn't until many years later, through the late seventies and eighties, digital computing took off because mm. we could make a lot of transistors. Yep. Turns out that way of doing things, even though it's robust to noise. It's, you, it requires billions of transistors. It's yeah. actually really inefficient. Inefficient, yeah. But the, the point is there are other ways to, of computing and the digital representation has its limitations. Yeah. You know, and we're hitting up against those limitations yeah, yeah. today. We're starting to run out of room really? on what we can do. We're looking for new ways of computing. Yeah. And the, the, so leading that is quantum, quantum computing, hopefully. Well, it's it's uh, quantum computing is a, a totally different way of doing it like, entirely. What, what, did you so, describe it within all so of let, that? So let's go, let's go yeah. let's go back to um, let me tell you where this where, where a lot of these ideas came mm-hmm. from. It's crazy. Uh, there was a PhD student um, who was not a good student yep. back in France in in uh, the nineteen twenties. It's funny how people that weren't great students done all of these memorable things. I was not a good student yeah. <laughs> at, at all, and, and uh, the story of everyone that's memorable. It's like he was in school and he wasn't that great, and the teachers hated him, but exactly. he changed the world. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's often the way it goes. Yep. Uh, so this guy was not a good student. He would come in and go to sleep, come in around about noon, take a nap. It was his first thing, and then wake up, go home. And his supervisor at the time uh, said, you know, got to get rid of this guy. So there's a way of moving people on. You say, it's time to write a thesis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, you've got, you know, a month or so to produce something. Um, oh, and by the way, your thesis is going to be examined. By, it's going to be marked by Einstein. Yep. So the poor guy, uh, his name was Dubroly, and uh, he thought... What am I going to do? It's going to be marked by Einstein. All right, all right. What's Einstein done? Yeah. I'll read about that. So, you know, he, he was familiar with Einstein's work. And Einstein at the time, it's gone back 100 years now, Einstein had recognised that light had these two different personalities. Mm-hmm. Light, what is it? I mean, it's weird to think about. Well, sometimes it behaves a bit like a wave. We're talking about waves at the beach. Yeah. Light looks like a wave. It, it can, it can uh, overlap and, and create this, these effects that we call superposition, that is waves overlapping in space. Yep. Um, but sometimes light also behaves like a particle, like a clump of something, like yep. I flick it at you and, you know, like a... Is that a photon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we would call that a photon, yep. a clump of energy. Yep, yep. As to whether it looks like a wave or whether it looks like a photon, a, mm-hmm. a particle, well, that depends. Yeah. It depends on what the experiment is or how you measure it, how you look at it. I've so seen it's got some these... freaky stuff with light about the, how they've done those slits and, exactly. light and these yeah, yeah, yeah. Like things were in multiple places at the same time and it's uh, related to this type of I, stuff. I, I, some mind-blowing stuff with light particles. Absolutely, eh? absolutely, yeah. yeah, crazy. So yeah. this 100 years ago was, was all the rage. Light, is it a particle, is it a wave? Yeah. Well, it's actually something that's that's our language that's human language to describe yeah. something about nature but it's it's neither and it's both it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's you yeah. know it's an entity that is is something else yeah. sometimes it looks like one or the other okay so back to this guy Dubroly in France he's given you've got to write a thesis yeah. and he thinks well light Einstein's shown that light can be a wave and a particle what about this stuff yeah. what are we made out of particles well I'm going to take a guess and punt on the symmetry of nature. Maybe matter, which we normally think of as particles, mm-hmm. maybe matter can also be a wave. Mm. What the hell does that mean? It doesn't make any sense. Okay, two years later, experimental evidence 
showing indeed matter, atoms, electrons, the stuff that we're built out of, behaves like a wave. Nobel Prize in physics. Really? <laughs> so, and they were trying to set him up. <laughs> exactly. They were, they were trying to so, set him up and he comes out with that. Yeah, but yeah. he pulled it out of nowhere. What was his name again? Uh, De Broly was yeah, his De Broly, name. Yeah. And yeah, his, his uh, hypothesis or his suggestion, which was an appeal to the symmetry of nature, was that there would be a wave-like character yeah. to matter. Yeah which is so mind-bending for us because we don't, you know, we, all our intuition is about in the world we live in, what, what physicists would call a, a macroscopic world. Yeah. The laws of nature at the, at the nanoscale, a billionth of a metre at the level of atoms, vastly different, yeah, yeah. crazy. And quantum physics is the physics of waves. Quantum computing is actually computing using the waves of fundamental particles like mm. electrons mm. and encoding information, just like what we're talking about, the waves at the beach. Yeah. But this time it's going to be the waves of the atom and waves of electrons yeah. overlapping. Let me make it simple. It's, it's Please. <laughs> imagine you're looking for the right answer. Yeah. I'm trying to compute something. I can't find the answer. Maybe the answer is where did I leave my car keys or something. Well, okay, you could... Um, Think about all the wrong answers. Where, where aren't your keys? They're not in the bedroom. They're not in the lounge room. Not. A good algorithm of a quantum computer sets up the problem such that the right answer, the answer you're looking for, emerges from the what we call constructive interference, the overlap of those waves yep. to create a big wave, the correct answer, and all the wrong answers are going to cancel one another out. That's like a peak and a trough yep. coming together, cancel one another out. So... You're actually encoding information in waves, allowing all of those waves to overlap effectively so that the right answer emerges yeah. and all the wrong possible other answers cancel one another out. Yeah. Sounds nonsense. It's crazy. It's, it's, Yet, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot to take in. Yet 10 years from now, 20 years from now, yeah. being able to manipulate the world at the level of atoms and electrons, yeah. encode information and even compute will open up the possibility of doing entirely new things. Yeah, so I mean, I want to ask that. Right now, with the way we're doing it in the digital system of like computing, central process, uh, CPUs and that, yeah. what, what do you feel like, so we're approaching the limitations of it, how much do you think that we have left in it? Say, for example, there is, <laughs> we never understand um, quantum computing, yeah. right? Yeah. And we might not. And exactly. we might not. Yeah, yeah. What, what are the limitations of it and what are the issues involved like why, for you, for example, do you um, have a vested like interest in furthering computers? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, are we at, are we facing some issues now in advancements? For sure, yeah. for sure. And you know, like the, the companies, the, the industries that that push on this, it's big industry, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, they're very clever, and you'll see, I think, a lot of improvements. Um, in computing, by just refining and, and, and furthering the engineering, moving to different material systems, different yeah. geometries, different architectures. But all of that is still constrained by like, you're still, the basic yeah. technology is transistors, yeah. switches. They're either on or off. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's, that's going to be a limitation of what you can compute. Yeah. Even if you make it super fast and super efficient, and there are some problems that are even beyond what you can compute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, the computer might run for the age of the universe, yeah. you're still not going to get the answer. Mm. Some problems, not all problems, but there are a class of, of, of problem that a quantum computer could solve efficiently yeah. that you'll never be able to solve with a digital classical computer. Just because of speed? 
Just because of uh, the way in which it's computing. All right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a good example would be... Um, so is it efficiency or speed? It's... Uh, it's it's really I mean it's both it's it, no yeah. it's it's kind of both it's but it's both, it's yeah. more that um, uh, efficiency is probably a good good way yep, of, yep. yeah what what re, what resources would it take so yep. uh, a, a good example would be um, uh, and to bring it to something practical like imagine you're trying to design a drug or a, a pharmaceutical treatment for for cancer yep. or something like that. Um, Drug design or materials design, well, what is that? Well, that's actually about molecules and atoms and electrons. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's big money and yep. big industry to design drugs to target particular diseases. Yeah. Some of those challenges, not all, but some of them turn out to be really hard to design what the molecule should look like. Mm-hmm. And if you were right now to go around the world and say, give me a list of the top supercomputers, what are they running right now? Well, some of them are running, you know, things for governments. <laughs> a lot of them are running uh, quantum chemistry problems and trying to actually solve chemical problems related to, say, drug design, for instance. Yeah. It's a hard computational problem that requires supercomputers to run for a very long time because, and this is to your point of efficiency, yeah. digital classical computers absolutely suck yeah. at trying to capture quantum physics of molecules and atoms and electrons. If you build the computer out of quantum physics, that computer is really good at computing quantum physics problems, Mm. which are the problems of drug design. So how would how would this look? So I'm imagining (laughs) so there's our um, CPUs right now, like either they look like motherboards, whatever they Mm -hmm. are, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I am imagining this quantum computer to be this Crystal ball of glowing purple energy. <laughs> is that what it would look like? What What would they look like if if what what casing is yeah, needed? Yeah, yeah. Because if this is like manipulating things on that level, does it look like what we were mm. we're norm, normal to look like? Yeah, you know? great question. Yeah. It depends on um, the particular flavor of quantum computer. So at yep. the moment, uh, we haven't yet real we haven't we haven't narrowed down the search to a particular type of even technology. At the yeah. moment there's a race worldwide. Yeah. So it's a little bit like computers back in the nineteen thirties and nineteen forties people. And you're part of this race. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's my everyday. You know, yeah. is it going to look like a, a uh, before the invention of transistors, people had various different systems that they thought might be used to build a computer. So it could look very similar to a silicon CPU. It could. Yep, yep. It also might look very different to that. It might look like something that's um, encased in stainless steel and, yep. and laser light and vacuum and yeah, those yeah. types of things. Underneath it all, both of those approaches are trying to manipulate single atoms and electrons and photons yeah. and encode information in the state of those fundamental particles. Does your mind ever, obviously, what does your mind think about when we reach that technology? Is that like a super definitive point in mankind? Does everything just explode after that? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I don't think anyone really knows. Yeah. Part of the, the, you know, the thing that just both motivates me but freaks me out as well as the physics here, um, we haven't yet really tapped that or exploited it. And yeah. some of that physics is absolutely nuts. Yeah. So give you an example. Probably the most counterintuitive thing I know of, uh, something called quantum entanglement. Yeah. Quantum entanglement, if, you, if I described it to you and didn't tell you it was called quantum entanglement, you'd think I'm talking about voodoo. Mm-hmm. I put a pin in a doll here and someone on <laughs> some friend of yours oh, on the other this. side of the city yeah. feels a pain. 
Oh, and you nice. think like, yeah, that, that. Is this where there's like, forgive me if I'm wrong again, but particles on different sides of yes, our like, yes, universe yes. that are sort of like they're in sync with each other since, exactly. since the beginning or exactly. something you like got that. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Electrons and or something. Imagine if voodoo. Yeah. Imagine if I said, yeah, so um, turns out that's true yeah. and uh, scientists have managed to figure out how to exploit it and use it. What would you think? You'd think, all right, I'm going to go and stick some pins in people. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah. then you'd probably think, I should be able to build a technology, but what's that good for? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know what it's good for yet. We don't, eh? But because the technology is only as good as the, the ideas that are. That's right. it's being used for, really. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. still d- depends on us. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> so this is what you're doing. You work at what's your what's your lab at Sydney Uni? Yeah. So we have a a, a major lab there on the campus of the University of Sydney. Yep. Um, in a in a building that was created and designed for quantum physics. Yep. Turns out, you know, if you want to do these types of experiments, not so easy to do in your lounge room or yep, your yep, backyard. Yep. You know, get 150 million dollar lab. 150 million dollar yep. building that was created to uh, to enable quantum physics. Yeah. yeah. What's it called again? It's called the Sydney, Sydney Nanoscience Hub is the building. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, we have Microsoft uh, Quantum Sydney lives within that building. What's your worries with stuff like this, bro? Like, as, you know, forgive me, bro, like, obviously a big lack of understanding, but do you ever get drawn into the conversations about the worries of extreme technologies like that? For sure. Yeah. And, you know, this is one where if you look at the world today and the, the geopolitics of the world, which country is going to hold this technology yeah. first? And what are they going to use it for? Mm. One of the, if not the defining most important application that started the field, at least um, really accelerated the field, was, uh, was, was breaking codes. Turns out if you could build a very large quantum computer, what, this hasn't been done yet, but if no. you could, then the means of encrypting data that we rely on for everything that we do these days, that approach becomes vulnerable to a yeah. quantum computer. Oh, well, of course. So... Yeah. Whoever holds that technology, uh, that's pretty enabling. Um, yeah. So it's like that's like the master key. Exactly. It just cracks everything. <laughs> it's yeah, too powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now having said that, there are ways of, of potentially encoding information that would resist a quantum computer. Yeah. Uh, and that's an active area of research. How do you develop um, means of encrypting data that would, would still you know, be uh, resistant to, to such a machine? But that doesn't help you if the last 30, 40, 50 years... Yeah. In the vault, the you've way. been yeah. doing it the, the other, other way. way. Imagine yeah. all those secrets are suddenly exposed. But imagine, you know, what what imagine gaming yeah. on a quantum computer. Imagine gaming, Villa. Imagine the GPU you'd be using. <laughs> exactly. Imagine computing. different rules of the game yeah. because of what's possible uh, according to quantum physics. So, with a powerful quantum, like just going full theoretical here, <laughs> you could legitimately run simulations. You could. It would be powerful enough to run simulations, yeah, like yeah, yeah. fully realistic simulations. Exactly. Of, of certain types of things. Like, I mean, a quantum computer won't do everything. A lot of people you, you read in, in newspapers sometimes as if it's going to um, make every problem that was ever hard suddenly easy. Yep. And, and that's not true. There are some problems that are beyond classical computers that we have today and will always be beyond them. Never possible. Mm-hmm. A quantum computer can solve but there are still problems that are beyond quantum computing. And the yeah. world has to be that way. It can't yeah, yeah, yeah. be that everything suddenly becomes easier. It just oh, sort of course. doesn't make sense. We'll never be yeah. gods. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. we'll never be yeah, gods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me ask you about, say, I related to that um, simulation, rather. Let me ask you some personal beliefs. Yes. Since you're in that world. Yeah. What do you think is, um, in your mind, what's the possibility that we live in a simulation? Yeah, great question. Yeah. Um, 
And what, what type of things, knowing that field you work in, if you were to look at our world and, and guess if we're in a simulation, would you be looking for what type of patterns exist that you can see that do exist? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. I mean, it, you're crossing in, you know, I should sort of say, you're crossing into metaphysics, philosophy, yep. of which I'm really curious about, yeah. but you're starting to push it out of my area of expertise. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, as someone who kind of works there, yeah. within, within the field, I would say, um, going right back to what we started with, the idea that we're talking about waves overlapping and all that stuff, and the idea that those waves are doing addition when they collide, yep. and you start to think that everything in the world... Well, what's I it computing? It's computing it. itself. I actually thought of that when you said it. Yeah. When you said essentially what our processes are, do- are doing, nature is computing itself. Yeah. And I was thinking, wait, there's people that say this. <laughs> think, yeah. of, think, of a, think of a problem, that a physics problem from like, I don't know, high school or something. Yeah. I'll throw a ball through the air and you've got to compute where it's going to land. Here's its initial speed and its yeah. angle and you, know, you can figure out the equations to use and whatever else. Or you could throw the ball and see where it lands. Yeah. The ball did the... The physics problem for you. Yeah. It how did it do that? Well, it's computing its own trajectory. Yeah. In some ways, every atom, every every aspect of the world is is the universe is computing itself, yeah, yeah. its own evolution in time. Yeah, I find that yeah. so interesting, especially the, like when people were arguing about uh, the amount of rendering that would be needed is unrealistic. But then people saying it's only when you face something does it activate in a sense and it renders only when it's being observed and that relates right back to that photon that is Absolutely. wherever you observe it to be yeah it's there but if you observe it to be there it was there at the same time and i love how all of that stuff's yeah. really interrelated that's like that's that. a principle a very fundamental principle of, of quantum mechanics yeah. uh is this perspective that when you measure something or you observe it or you look at it then the act of observing it affects it yeah it it uh it takes something that is um uh could be a you know a, any possibility and turns that any possibility into some particular outcome yeah. uh that tree falling in a forest if no one's no one's there to hear it yeah. i mean this is reality i mean yeah. this just sounds crazy my everyday world is doing experiments you know whatever 500 600 meters from where we're sitting yeah. effectively yeah yeah um, down the street we're doing experiments to test those ideas yeah. And then go beyond just testing them, start to think about building technology yeah. to do things that we can't do today. Tell me based some stuff on you actually laws. get up to in there. $150 million lab, yeah. working for Microsoft. Exactly. I imagine so it to be like Men in Black. You walk in, there's aliens <laughs> everywhere. Nah. It's, pretty re- it's pretty relaxed. It's yeah. pretty relaxed. But what do you we, do? We have, um, we have a, lot of, a lot of equipment, uh, yep. purpose-built equipment, as well as... Um, you know, we have equipment like refrigerators. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty mundane. It's not going to be your white good from, from yep. uh, Harvey Norman. These are refrigerators that get to a temperature a fraction above absolute zero. Absolute zero. zero is minus 273. Is Kelvin? Kelvin. Kelvin, zero? Kelvin. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, really close to, to that temperature where all thermal motion stops. Yep. When you feel something's hot, it's jostling around. It's, it's, all the atoms are vibrating. Yep. And if you cool things down, those vibrations slow and slow and slow. And at, at zero, stop. they yeah. completely stop. Mm. Um, now, we need to look at quantum physics phenomena. It's very weak. And if everything is jostling around like it is at room temperature, yeah. you'd never see that, that fragile yeah. quantum physics. So we've got to get so the thermal energy that, exactly yeah, in the lowest temperature. Yeah. So we have fridges that do that. The way they work, they actually exploit helium not your regular balloon gas yep. but something called helium 3 which is a, a uh, an isotope of helium it's, it's regular helium it's yep. missing a, a, a neutron helium 3 where does it come from 
Well, it doesn't occur naturally on the Earth. You can get it from the moon. You can go and mine the moon yep. for helium-3. It's full of helium-3 from the sun. But helium-3 on Earth comes from the decay of nuclear weapons. Really? So it's uh, the only peaceful, only peaceful uh, application that I know of of nuclear weapons sitting there in a stockpile aging. Yep. And as they age, the, you know, the, the elements that are in those weapons, plutonium, uranium-238, they decay into other elements. They're oh, unstable, really? and as they decay... So it's not the, the fission process of the uranium, it's, it's, is it? it, it it's, it's a process of, of yeah, of, 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 nu- of nuclei yep. um, that are unstable, yep. Just breaking, breaking apart, apart effectively, yeah. emitting particles as they do that. And as they break apart, they break apart into simpler yeah, other yeah, elements. Yeah. Really? And when they, there's a whole chain of, of, of uh, processes where these big, heavy um, atoms that make up um, weapons yep. start to decay down into more stable elements. When they do that, there's a process that gives off helium-3, and that's collected. They collect that gas oh, so and then more, sell it back to us. So these... these um, <laughs> sorry, let me get into chemistry a bit here. I like, I'm, not, I'm genuinely interested. So these more um, elements break down. As they break down, so what are they doing? They're giving off electrons... They can give off electrons, yeah. sometimes um, photons of, of energy. And um, as they give those off, they're turning into different elements. Elements, that's right. right. Yeah. Because I remember the, the, that's what the periodic chart is. That's the number, go, and the number yeah. is the amount of, element, uh, the na- of electrons that it holds on to. Number of protons or number of electrons. N- number, yeah. And the number of neutrons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so each and element... So uranium's high up, right? Was it's, it 236 or something yeah, or, those lines? Or, yeah, depending on... The, <laughs> I'm flexing here. I'm you flexing sure are. <laughs> there's um, there's yeah. ones that are not stable. So yeah. you can push more and more uh, neutrons into the nucleus yeah. or protons and, yeah. and you can change how stable, stable it is. It is yeah. So if you want to make a fission you know, weapon, yeah. then it's, it's going to be something that's, that's on the edge of being stable and can be easily split. Yeah. It gives off a lot of energy when it does that. Yeah. But if you just leave the thing sit over time, slowly... It will decay. It will yeah. do it itself effectively. And eventually mm. you'll end up with lead. Yeah. And in, but that'll take a long time. As yeah. it decays oh, it down... It will eventually le- end up in lead. It, as so lead. It'll just turn to... Yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, just yeah. decay down to lead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it gives off helium-3. Yep. We collect that. We don't. The US government yeah, does. Yeah. <laughs> they sell it to us. It's very expensive. Uh, many thousands of dollars a litre of, of gas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it turns out with helium-3... You can condense it and form a liquid and actually get to temperatures a fraction above absolute zero. Yeah. So we have, I don't know, seven, eight, nine of these fridges that have this helium-3 in them. Mm-hmm. And we use that to cool tiny, tiny electronic circuits that are a billionth of a meter in their size. Yep. And that's where quantum physics starts to rear its head. Yeah. So we've got to get to that extreme of nature. Very small, very cold, and a lot of the measurements we do or experiments we do are very fast. And so it's observable on a screen? A, a, yeah, a eventually, printout? that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Used, screen, to be, yeah. used to be printouts maybe printouts, 30, yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. These days, um, you're staring at computer screens that yeah. are capturing data and trying yeah, to interpret yeah. that data. What is, it, what is it telling you about the thing you're actually building and measuring? How does this, uh, does, does anything they do at the Hydron Collider over in Europe relate to this? Yeah, that's, that's particle physics. Um, it's it's kind of loosely related in that all of these areas of physics are progressing our broad understanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, particle physics is probably 
a little bit more fundamental in trying to test the theories of, of, uh, of you know, how, how the fundamental particles work. It's and, the fabric and, that we yeah, exist on, yeah. really, as opposed to... Absolutely. As opposed to maybe trying to build a technology build a out technology, of it, but yeah. closely related. Yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially, let's talk about AI. Yeah. It's a big interest of them. Um, and uh, it's, would that be heavily reliant on the stuff that you do? It's a big area of, of interface. No one knows. I mean, this yeah. is the crazy thing. A lot of people think, oh, physics today, we must be, everything must be known. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just living out in the end times of, of but yeah. it's nothing is further from the truth. So much is not known. We don't yet know what happens if, if you have a quantum computer. Does Can, can you do some kind of quantum AI? Does yeah. that even make sense? Because uh, to me, in my head, when you're saying that we're reaching the limitations of what we can do with this technology mm. and there's future, te and we could do so much more stuff that can think well beyond us and solve problems that we can't solve. Yeah. All of this sounds like, well, really, we can't really have AI until we think of some new type of computing system. And once we do, boom. It's, it's very interesting. How do you feel about AI? You, yeah, I don't need to say to you, you can imagine how many people you already yeah, know have yeah, questioned yeah. your AI, it's so dangerous, this and that. Uh, what, what is your, because obviously your mind must, I'm not saying you're sitting there working on AI, you're working on a technology yeah. which one day may lead to it, but you must have some type of opinion on it. Is it as scary to you as it is to most people? It is, it is. Yeah. And it, it it's scary to watch people who are deeply you know, in that area, um, mm. pioneering new approaches and ask them the question. And yeah, yeah I mean, I think that broadly within these companies, there is deep appreciation for the need for ethical systems and structures around the way that whole world yeah. works. You know, mm. and, and uh, Microsoft, for instance, is is, um, is not going to sell you technology without being with, with, without knowing the application there yeah. and being deeply mindful about its ethical use. Yeah, you know, yeah, so 100%. yeah, we need. I mean, we need. Um, Scholars, we need people thinking deeply about the human side. Yeah, what yeah. are the implications of these technologies that we're building? This is new territory, and yeah. we're we're out into you know, a like, crazy let me give world. You a comical scene, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Terminator? Absolutely. Do you ever feel like you could be, you know, Skynet? Do you ever feel like, <laughs> without knowing it, you're like the bloke now that's doing the things, and in the future when there's robots running around, everyone's like hunting you. You're the bloke. Like we come back, we can't imagine Absolutely. like you make the discovery yeah. in the quantum things, yeah. and now us, you know, you know, John Connor comes back to find you. It's <laughs> crazy. They send the Terminators after you, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so wrong. But it's, it's it's true, you know. Yeah, I mean, like we're serious. we're living it in yeah. our lifetime. We are going to see a huge transformation. I mean, yeah. it's just accelerating. Where will we be in, in 20 years and what's, what's changed? It's, it's very scary. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exciting, I mean, but scary. Let me ask you stuff off that, top, off that topic, brother. Aliens. Yeah. Because this is science-related stuff, brother. It is. You believe in aliens? Yeah, I mean, it would be hard to... I mean, I'd be very sceptical of anybody that said categorically no. No, 100%. Uh, I think the most interesting question there, though, is, is a question that um, usually goes by the name of, of the Fermi paradox. So, so Enrico Fermi in 1950, famous physicist, nuclear yeah. physicist, you know, over a lunchtime discussion um, with, with his other colleagues, they were trying to estimate what are the chances of... of, of uh, of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. Well, how many stars are there? How many galaxies are there? How yeah. many Earth-like planets are there, which we can now detect? Mm -hmm. We have the ability that they didn't have in 1950 to, to know that there are Earth-like planets. Um, 
what's the likelihood of life developing? What's the likelihood of intelligent life? Mm. And then a big one, what's the likelihood that that life form survives long enough, doesn't blow itself up in order to develop yeah, technology yeah. that you can use to explore the stars? And so you put numbers on so that. So all of those, con- like, yeah. what are those numbers? They, exactly. Is, that, is, that, is this the equation of this Frank is the Drake? Dra- yeah, exactly. Frank Drake equation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So if you think about that Drake equation and, yeah. and put some rough numbers on it, yeah. Apparently, the story goes that, that Fermi, you know, was, was thinking about it over lunch and then uh, sort of stopped talking for about 10 minutes while he thought about it, then kind of came to and said, where is everybody? Yeah. And it's almost impossible that they don't that's exist. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, but where are they? Yeah. And that's the challenge. It's like, well, put some numbers on it. Um, they should be everywhere. Yeah. Earth should have been visited many, many times. And we should have seen a lot of evidence. So something, and that's why it's a paradox, something in that you know, prediction of those numbers doesn't, doesn't yeah. make sense. Either... It's not in actuality it, happening. It didn't. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the, the chances of intelligent life, there's a, there's a step there that's very unlikely yeah. possible. Um, something that we just miscalculated. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're everywhere, but they're, they're just so far away. Mm. Maybe we're the first in maybe terms of... Maybe they're not observable. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're not looking. I, yeah. I got a, uh, a shock when um, I was... Actually, it's funny. I was, I was having lunch with a, a, years ago with a, a key person who was um, driving SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And I said, so how far out from Earth are we listening with SETI? And I can't remember the number, but it was, it was not very far. You know, the idea that these, at the moment, these radio telescopes or another approach that SETI is, if you've seen the movie Contact, for instance, we're not listening to very far out at the moment. Um, mm. So it's probably not unreasonable that we haven't heard anything. True. And how, how, how far are we listening? I don't know what the number is, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, in the radio domain, it's, it's not particularly it's, far. It's, it's moving far into all, optical like. means of, of listening yeah, um, yeah. Um, now. But, yeah, I mean, space is just, the universe is just so large. Yeah. That's the challenge. Just, you know, yeah, there, yeah, there may well be intelligent life, but they're so far away. Trying to contact them, try to interact with them, yeah. I think is the big challenge. Um, you remember that signal once? I forgot yeah. what it was called. There was one time some signal, and it was, it was it, well, what they say is it was without a doubt an intelligent signal. It just didn't it sit in with any other signal that comes from it. When do you know when, when was that signal? Is that something they captured was, in the eighties or something? They captured one signal one time. Yeah, from I think there's space. a. I think there's a bunch of those where they don't repeat. So yeah. you know, I mean, it, it could be could be a noise processor or, or it yeah. could be some. Oh really? Some, some, uh, no one knows. Yeah. Or it could be. It could be life. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, recently, uh, a few years back, uh, it was observed that there was, I don't know, an object moving yeah. through the solar system on a trajectory that can't come from from within our solar system yeah yeah and either it's a runaway you know asteroid or something from a different solar system or a different star system that's been flung out and you know it's cutting across a trajectory that it's obviously from somewhere deep out there interstellar object um or it could be i mean you know the idea was floated yeah uh maybe it's a space probe and the crazy oh, well, didn't thing they is, just put out a million videos of space probes and stuff? <laughs> just all of a sudden, like three years ago, like what was it? Forty years? They That's said, right. "Nah, nah, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing." And then, like three years ago, they go, oh, "Here's like fifty videos of alien, oh, UFOs. We don't know what they are, but yeah, you all right?" There's like little balls flying around and chasing a lot of open questions. Yeah. yeah. 
Let me ask you something about um, astrophysics, bro. Like, I always had this one question, right? It's about the moon. It's about the dark side of the moon. You know much about like astrophysics, the, the motions? Of, a little bit, oh, a right. little bit. I, this is one thing that I just cannot get my head around, all right? We only see one, one part of the moon. Yeah. There is a dark side of the moon that we don't observe. Yeah. And I just want to know, all right, with, with <laughs> any intelligent, logical mind out there, how the theory goes, the stationary, relatively, no, no, it's not even stationary, the sun, our perspective, stationary sun, an earth revolving around at 300, once every 365 days. Yeah. yeah. As that earth is spinning, right, stay with me, as that earth is spinning, you probably know where I'm going to get to because your mind obviously works good, the earth is doing that every 24 hours. So you've got this ball that's flying around like this. Yeah. Then we have a moon, that whilst that's doing that and that, <laughs> and there's a tilt for the season, there is also the moon which is going around the earth. And in all of those different enormous planes of motions and speeds, that the, the moon never ever tilts one degree and we ever see the other side of the moon. How is that possible? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is the moon just so locked in all of that yeah, motion? Yeah. Is that really the theory they give us? Or I have some misunderstanding. No, no, you've got it. Why it hasn't shifted to we observe a single new part? Like, how is that even possible? I think, I mean, it's in a very stable orbit. So we're looking at what you'd call the dynamics of that system. Yeah. 4.5 billion years after it was created. So in the, in the, in the early times, you probably saw a lot of crazy motion until it settled into a very stable state. Right. Um, yeah, it's gravity locked. So, so yep. the the face, the, the rotation of the moon. There is no rot rotation yeah. to move with respect to the Earth's face there. But yeah. it's crazy to think of that. And then the solar system yeah. is also moving yeah. at some incredible speed. And, and, the, the, arm and then the, the arm of the galaxy. Arm of the and, galaxy. And, and, that's right. Every single thing is moving yeah. at uncalculable <laughs> speeds, except this moon. It's just yeah. locked onto us like a magnet, staring at think, us with its asteroid holes. Think of where we were in space. Yeah. An hour ago, yep. and how far we've come. Yeah, yeah. You've left that world behind. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but can you give us a 101 here? Yeah. String theory, what you know about it? Yeah, it's a really advanced um, topic. Uh, it's, it's an area of, I would say, particle physics, where uh, trying to really understand the under, underlying fundamental aspects of, of particles like electrons and, and yeah. the fundamental particles. Um, sort of like uh, the hydron collider Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So within that kind of branch of physics, it's a, it's a mathematical theory yeah. for how particle physics emerges. Um, now, it's, I say mathematical because at the moment there are no experiments that can test string theory yep. and it's, it's not clear how you would ever do an experiment to test string theory the energy you would need to get to that regime yeah. so a lot of people will tell you well it's not really a science you can call it a mathematics but there's no means of testing whether it's right or wrong it's a you know yep. it's it's it's, it's uh, it remains a theoretical construct but it it's effectively um you know you can think of it as some sort of vibrational mode and depending on the character of that vibration, then certain particles are associated yeah. with that vibration. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the moment, I mean, it, it, it operates in, in, in higher dimensions than three dimensions. So, yeah. and there's different classes of string theory. Um, it's trying to unify gravity 
and relativity, so special relativity, general relativity, time dilation, all of that stuff, with quantum physics. Mm. At the moment, we don't really have a handle on how to connect these worlds. Mm. They're separate areas of physics. String theory very elegantly uh, unifies gravity and quantum physics in oh. a lot of ways, but it's still sort of out of the realm of testability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's an yeah. open area of, of, of research at the moment. But, uh, yeah. but I've got this quote here. Albert Einstein once taken issue with quantum physics. <laughs> he said, we don't, he, what's the quote? God does not play dice. Do you ever feel like, uh, it's sort of like what I asked before about like, what do you see the dangers are with that? What do you think he meant by that? Yeah. Have you heard of that quote? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of the fundamental ones. Um, he's, he's getting at the nature of quantum physics is that it's, uh, I'm trying to avoid technical words here. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So I, w I would call it stochastic or, or, or randomness. Um, and as humans, we really struggle with that. The idea that an event would happen or, or something would take place randomly that wasn't caused by some previous event. So quantum physics yeah. breaks that causality. We think event A happens because before it, some other event yeah, happened yeah. and that led to that. And that event leads to something else. And over time, all events and all things are connected in terms of causality. Yeah. And when you're talking about... Uh, Quantum physics, this God doesn't play play you know with yep. dice, is that there is a truly random outcome in an yep. event. It's not determined by, as far as we can tell, it's not determined by some other uncovered factor. So I'll put it this way: if you, it, puts a, it, it must put a lot of fear in. In, 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 in a way, people, it, yeah. it has. I mean, if you think I'm going to toss a coin. Yeah. You know, we, we say, well, the outcome's random. Well, no, no not it's really. Not, it's not. It's if you have the means of measuring, exactly, know. exactly. It's just that those means are hidden from us. Yeah. If you knew the mass, the angle, exactly, the air, yeah. the temperature. But what if it really was random? Yeah. In quantum so that physics, was his, it's he sounds, random. He sounds, yeah. he, he sounded when he said that like an uh, element of fear. In some ways, yeah. I, I, you know, a lot of people have written uh, about the philosophy of that. It yeah. opens, and I mean, this is a very interesting sort of topic. It opens a means by which, um, and, and a, a godlike entity yeah. uh, can manipulate certain outcomes without violating the rules of physics. Yeah. So, you know, if if otherwise we're just a clock, wind us up. That is very interesting. And we just yes. run through. And just play out the things that where does where's free will yeah. in a universe where uh, everything is determined? Mm -hmm. So, if you've got a problem with with that, if you think humans have free will, when I decide to do something, I decide it. It wasn't simply just that the atoms in my body are obeying the laws of physics, and yeah. I'm just you know, what am I? Um, if you want to believe in free will, this opens a door to free will. Yeah, that those random outcomes. They aren't predetermined. They don't connect to previous events. Where do they come from? We don't know. So wait, is it is it already known that there is random outcomes? Absolutely. It is yeah, known yeah, now. Yeah. And, and how long has that been known for? Not long. S since uh, the beginnings of quantum mechanics. So since about 100 years ago. Yeah. And so you, I mean, you can go to a lab, you know, the lab down here, yeah. um, do an experiment where you see that randomness. Yeah. Those fundamental particles, you cannot predict, is it this or is it that? I, I would totally honestly, I would think that I could be completely wrong here, but knowing that would have opened up a scientist's mind and science, in general's um, attitude towards an intelligence beyond ours, an intelligence to the universe. Yeah, 
even a different way of some people might call it a god. Because I can imagine 150 years ago when they didn't think there was a randomness out there where everything was a mathematical equation, there's nothing more to it. Yep. It completely would rule out your mind for, no, there's nothing behind anything. Everything is just this trajectory and I can tell you everything yeah. about the world. But to come to face um, a situation like that, well, wait a minute, there's something else there that's going to make it impossible for, ever, for us to ever know everything and there must be something else behind that because the randomness, is it really just random or yeah. is there something behind that? Changes that view of, you know, you could say uh, th there's a God that's a, a, a watchmaker yeah. and put the watch together, wound it up, and let it go, go and then took off. It's set. You know, yeah. and we're just moving through the motion of that. That was, as you say, that was in some ways the physics and the philosophy of, of uh, at least what physics was telling us pre-quantum mechanics. Yeah. Quantum mechanics comes in 100 years ago and says, well, actually, the measurement outcome or what yeah. happens at one point in time is not caused by what happened the second before. Yeah. In fact, it's just completely random. Yeah, yeah. And you can't determine it. Okay, but there are, there are still rules. It's not like it's yeah, just chaos and not, you know, the, the probability is yeah. still there, but the exact outcome. You can't yeah. say. You can only talk within statistical probabilities. That opens the door for human free will, and opens yeah. the door for for a, you know an entity like a, a godlike entity yeah, that, that yeah, um, yeah. can skew and manipulate individual outcomes. Hmm. And it, yeah, it definitely holds us back from knowing every single thing. Then, yeah, absolutely. So it's like yeah. all the scientists, physicists, slash astronomers, and all send me the same thing of like the Renaissance. They were just thinking of things that were not known, not exactly. just calculating the yeah. known. Yeah, yeah. It's like we live, would you say, nowadays, maybe even so more. The Renaissance is a great time. But I would say that the developments we're having in the last maybe 80 years, maybe I'm completely wrong, blow those out the water. It's accelerating. It's, yeah. it's going it's crazy. Accelerating. Yeah. Like what's happening in the last 80 years, we really live in, um, I feel like we really live in a time that will be looked back on as like the people of this generation yeah. were like. Yeah. 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 No, I, I completely agree. I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's like some, something that we're doing. Is it, is it, or is it just the natural process and that's where we're at in technology and understanding that it was always going to happen? It's like, you know how they always think like at a certain time they look back and it's like maybe the Renaissance happened because the introduction of caffeine and maybe <laughs> we, we, uh, the monkeys started eating because of the... You know what I mean? I wonder yeah. if they look back and it's like... It's yeah. because... Yeah, you know what I mean? Some areas it's, it's accelerating. You know, it's growing. Yeah. More and more people are working on scientific and engineering technical areas. So that's advancing. Yeah. Uh, there's more money that's driving and more economic factors are driving. But it's not, it's not universal. And you have to be a little bit careful because um, there's a school of thought. You can read books about, you know, the singularity where um, we're just accelerating in our knowledge and AI. And, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, you know, there's just going to be some switching on of some AI that's going to, you know, let's, have to be a bit careful. There are things like uh, flying across, um, let's say, the Pacific. Mm. It took roughly the same time to cross the ocean in a commercial jet today as it as it did ten years ago, twenty years ago, yeah, thirty right. years ago. So, why is that? Well, planes can go faster, 
but we don't need them to go faster or there's other reasons, not economic to go yeah. faster. And so it depends. Um, but in certain areas of science, as our understanding grows and more and more people are pursuing that, yeah, there's there's a huge advancement. And in, in, yeah, I, the yeah. world is it's going to get exciting. A lot of people, um, particularly young people, sometimes have a, a romance of the past, which I, I totally get. You know, if you ask the question, where would you like to be in time if there was there was a time machine? Where would you go back, and what would you what would you want to witness in history? Mm. Uh, and a lot of people say, oh, I'd love to be there at the invention of some piece of technology or when they yeah. first understood the transistor or they first invented whatever. Um, well, it'd be actually and pretty un- and uneventful <laughs> at the Pretty time. uneventful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or when Einstein invented relativity, you yeah. know, and it's a, it's a romance that there were these big breakthroughs yeah. and now everything is known. Yeah, and yet yeah. we're living right now, particularly like this year, next year, the, the, right now at a point in time where equations and mathematical symbols written on a piece of paper are coming to life. Yeah. We're doing experiments to prove out that indeed those those that math describes reality. Yeah. And now we're starting to build technology. And there's this story, this kind of narrative that goes from understanding the mathematics, testing it out, and then building stuff with it. From industrial revolution, you know, steam engines and so on. Um, that comes from thermodynamics mm-hmm. and understanding the, the equations of thermodynamics. Yeah. Uh, radio, television, wireless. I mean, why did, it, why did it appear when it did? Well, because in 1850, Maxwell wrote down the equations of light mm-hmm. and, and of, of, of radio waves, which are a form of light, unifying magnetism and electricity. So once that mathematics happens, the understanding is there and then the technology follows. Yeah. We're living in an era where we've got these equations of quantum physics. We're starting to show that those equations are real. They describe reality. Yeah. And now we're starting to build technologies from them. Yeah. And in our lifetime, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's just amazing to see it go from math on a paper through to something you're going to hold in yeah. your hand effectively and use to do you know, your daily life and watch that transition yeah. over the next 10 years. Give, give me, before we go... Give me a projection, but a realistic projection of how you see this, uh, how, how you think this will come to affect our lives in our lifetime. Do you think this will, will we see this in our lifetime? What do you imagine? Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see, there's no question we will see that transition and it'll be like everything uh, almost unnoticeable in the moment until you look yeah. back. What I can't do um, or can't do very well is is name the application what is it going to be for and it's i've been reading a lot about this recently think a lot about i get the question uh what's a quantum computer good for you know and you can you can give examples well we know you can write codes with it yeah okay whatever that's good for um we think it's going to be useful for solving chemical problems and finding certain pharmaceuticals and materials probably then, you know, there's other applications, but it's getting thin. Yeah, yeah. And but it could be something uh, completely different. And if, if, will if, be. if you read, yeah, yeah, like of the history of, say, uh, the transistor yeah. or the first integrated circuits, the first computers, yeah. there were interviews done with people who were building it out and what's it good for? Or even discovering radiation. <laughs> Absolutely. What's that woman that's discovered the radio first radio? Marie Curie. Marie yeah, Curie. Yeah, it's yeah. like asking her, well, what's that good for? She's going to be, I don't know. I just yeah, discovered yeah, it. Exactly. You, you exactly. deal with it. <laughs> first transistors, they thought, um, well, it's small. It might be good for a hearing aid. Yeah. They didn't oh, really? in, envisage playing, you know, 
games. They didn't envisage like Instagram that would emerge when you had billions of those things wired up together. Mm. And that's, I mean, it's not that long. That's 40, 50 years from the very first element to billions of transistors wired together where we're now running, you know, very complex software and we're using it to entertain ourselves. Very short time. So we're at that point at the moment where just switching on in terms of of, of quantum computing, uh, the very first equivalent of the transistor. But I think very quickly that will take off. And it's really hard to see where that lands. The physics is different. It's going to be impactful. There's no question about that. I wonder if someone's going to just full hog the technology. I, wonder if I hope gonna, not. Yeah, I wonder if it's <laughs> going to be like that. Like, because it's powerful. I wonder if someone's just going to get it. It's ours. <laughs> you know, like how they are with like um, nuclear technology. You know, yes. how like they, they try not to let everyone have it and it sneaks out and Pakistan has it. I wonder if they're going to be like that. Some super company like Microsoft will just be like the bosses of the world with their nanotechnology. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, it, it is, <laughs> it's yeah. a concern that yeah. the geopolitics is a concern. There's yeah. no question of that. Um, but yeah, ideally companies like Microsoft that, like AI, have already ethical frameworks yeah. and, and government involvement and the, the, you know structure around it so you can't just go randomly off and do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. going to be critically important, yeah, um, no question. These ideas can't be the domain of people that are in, in only certain areas of society, yeah. you know. And I would love it for, as you say, people in, in, in this area, Glebe area, Matraville area, whatever. Yeah. Um, if they're interested, mm. follow that interest. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you can be at the forefront of that stuff, in, involved in those ideas, doing it every day. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not to say that it's easy and not to say that I obviously didn't, you know, I'm privileged in a lot of ways, doors open for whatever, but, oh. and, and, and that's not everybody's, not everybody has that kind of option. I get that. But at the same time, um, if there's something that in my story gives people yeah. a vision of, of uh, in little old Australia in the back end of Sydney, yeah, you true. know, uh, you, it can that. be done. And yeah, it's happening 100%. right here. And, and we want to, yeah, we should be talking about these interesting sure, things sure. um, more and more. I oh, 100% agree with you. Yeah. I heard I got an invite yeah. to, to the... Um, Absolutely. To the, I'd love to do that. Yeah, come and we'll take, have a look. We'll, we'll, we'll come down, I'll make a little video about it and you just can, yeah, show, the, you just can show all the boys what's going on exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a, be visually a very interesting to see. Yeah, I can yeah, imagine yeah. it. Yeah, crazy equipment. And, I can yeah, imagine it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's what my manager was saying that yeah. you see, you want me to come down and yeah. see what you do and all that stuff. Yeah. They're going to be sick. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get that Let's done. Let's do that. 100%. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Mark Conversation. Thank you.